If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you take them please and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking today at the closing verses of the greatest sermon that has ever been preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived, recorded in the greatest book that has ever been written. Chapter seven of Matthew's gospel, beginning with verse 24 through verse 29, the title of the message, Are You Built to Last? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, they may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. We are Christians under construction and we are striving to build a life that will last. And our Lord oftentimes told stories to illustrate great spiritual truths. And he does so in this passage of scripture. Some of the stories that our Lord told was about a, a man, a certain man who had two sons. Another story was about a certain farmer who went out to sow seed or a merchant who sold everything in order to purchase the pearl of great price, or the Samaritan who was going along the road and saw a wounded man in the ditch and stopped to help him, or a shepherd who went looking for one of his lost sheep, or a friend who knocked on the door of his neighbor at midnight asking for bread because he had a guest who had surprised him by arriving and he didn't have enough bread to feed him. So Jesus often told stories. He told them in order to drive into our hearts the principle and, uh, of a great truth. The best definition that I've ever come across of what a parable is, is that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And this is what our Lord does here today as we come to the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mountain. He tells a story, an earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. Whether we plan to or not, whether we want to or not, whether we feel good about it or not, from the cradle to the grave, we are constantly building on our lives. Every thought is like a piece of timber. Every habit is like a beam. Every dream is like a window. Day by day, we add new brick and mortar until the house takes shape and the room finds their place. We're all building a house and that house is called life. There are three basic ideas that I want to follow today as we develop this idea of building our lives to last. They are recorded for you and printed out for you on your bulletin. We'll help you to keep up as we work our way through the message. And the first idea that I want to explore with you is that wise people build their lives on a solid foundation. 
wise people, wise people will build their lives on a solid foundation. A closer look at the two builders that Jesus refers to in his story reveals that they had much in common. Both had the same dreams. They wanted a house, a shelter from the storm, a safe place to raise a family, a comfortable place that they could call home. Dreams are not all everything, but dreams are the windows of the soul. Both builders live perhaps in the same community. They probably associated with the same people. They probably went to the same synagogue on the Sabbath and they probably listened to the same rabbis. Of the two builders, Jesus said that one was wise and the other one was foolish. Not that one was good and the other one was bad or that one was mean and the other one was helpful or that one was intelligent and the other one was ignorant. It was just that one was wise and one was foolish. A man by the name of Joe Emerson published a book not too long ago entitled, I Wanted the Elevator, But I Got the Shaft. <laughs> and in this book, he tells about a skyscraper called the Columbus Building. This is the picture from an old vintage postcard of the Columbus Building in Chicago. It was constructed in 1893, and at the time, it was the tallest building in the city of Chicago. Now, whether you know it or not, Chicago sits on the sandy shores of Lake Michigan. And when the Columbus Building was built, it soared above the city but it slowly began to sink into the sand upon which it was built. When it was shored up on one side, then the other side would begin to sink and vice versa. Finally, it had to be torn down in 1959, for at that time it was impossible to find any way to save it from sinking in shifting sand. Well, in 1952, they began to build another building, the next skyscraper, the, the Prudential Building. It's a 41-story building, and uh, geologists knew what it took at this time to build a skyscraper in Chicago. 187 pylons were driven 108 feet deep into the ground until they came resting upon a sheet of solid rock called the Niagara Shelf. The Niagara Shelf runs from Chicago all the way to Niagara Falls, after which it gets its name. Then and only then, then did the Prudential Building rise. It still stands today. It's one of the self-evident truths of life. It's important to build on a solid foundation. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't talking about building in this house in these two verses. He was simply using building as an illustration, a metaphor. In fact, if you will look at verse 24, notice in verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and then acts on them may be what? Compared to, compared to a wise man building on a rock. Notice in verse 26, it says, everyone who, who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like 
a foolish man. So the word comparison and the word like are all metaphors that illustrate and shows us what he's talking about. So he's talking about a wise man who built on a rock and a foolish man who built on the sand. Notice about the wise man who built on the rock. To be wise is to be discerning and perceptive and prudent, shrewd and farsighted. And we notice two things about this wise man. We notice his work. Notice in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, on the rock. Now, keep your place here. At Matthew, but turn to the Gospel of Luke, the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and verse 46. Luke also talks about and records the Sermon on the Mount. And when he comes to the end of our Lord's sermon or teaching, he says the same thing as Matthew does, but he puts it in a little different words. Notice in Luke 6 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hear my words and acts on them, I will show him what he is like. He is like a man building a house who does what? Digs deep. See the difference then here in Luke's account and what Matthew says? In Matthew, he says he just built his house on a rock. But Luke tells us that he dug deep. One commentator that I consulted said that it was not uncommon in the land of Israel that they would sometimes have to dig as deep as 30 feet in order to find a solid rock upon which to build a house or a temple or a synagogue. So it wasn't just something that he built on the surface of the ground. According to Luke's account, it took a lot of hard work. It, it, it took him a long time. Uh, because he didn't have the, the backhoes and the tractors and the caterpillars and things like we have today to, to move the dirt and to dig deep. It had to be done all by hand. Maybe a shovel, shovel if they had one, but it had to be done by hand. And so it took long hours and hard work for them to do it. And it took a lot, a lot of time to, uh, to, to build this house and to make a firm foundation on which it could stand. And, and although it was hard work, it was a wise work that he had done. Notice our Lord calls him a wise man. He is a wise man, which means he's sensible. It was just a sensible thing to do. It was the common sense thing to do, to build and to dig deep so that whatever you built on it would stand up. And so it was the choice of the foundation. This man chose to build his house on a solid rock. And why? Because he was concerned about the future. He wanted a house that would stand up under the storms of life. He wanted a house that he could go into at night and lay down on his bed and put his head on his pillow and not be worried about what was going to happen to the house or to his family should there be something tragic to take place. He thought about the future, not just about the present. He anticipated the storms of life. He did not bury his head in the sand, so to speak, and pretend that everything would be all right if I just built on the sand. Someone has said, he who provides for this life but takes no care for eternity is wise for a moment, 
but foolish for eternity. You know, it's one thing for us to put up our savings accounts, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with us having a house that we can live in and enjoy. That's okay. But if that is all, if that is as far as it goes, that we, we take care about what we do in this life and we don't prepare for the next life that is to come, then we are of all men most foolish. We are very foolish to do so. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? So you can have millions and billions of dollars stored up in the banks or in the investment area or whatever. But if you have nothing stored up for heaven or in heaven or for eternity, what are you going to do when it comes time for you to cross the river of death and go out into eternity if you're not properly prepared? So he was a wise man. He built for the future as well as for the present. But notice the foolish man. The foolish man built on the sand. And to be foolish means to be careless. It means to be indiscreet. Uh, he, he just was not wise in what he, he was in a hurry. It doesn't say whether or not he, he had enough money to build. It is assumed in the story that he did. Because he, Jesus is comparing these two people. Uh, one, they evidently both had enough money to build an adequate house. This foolish man, however, just, just chose to take cor uh, shot cor uh, sh shortcuts. Shortcuts. You know, somebody has said speed is not always synonymous with success. And sometimes we can take a shortcut thinking that we're wise in doing so, and sometimes it is proper to do that. Save a little time, a little money, but there are certain things uh, in which we should not take a shortcut. One of my favorite authors is Warren Wiersbe. I, I purchased just about everything that he publishes. And I came across a book some years ago that he published entitled, God Isn't in a Hurry. And he has a chapter, chapter two in that book is entitled, The High Cost of Shortcuts. This is what he said. My wife and I were driving through the foothills of the Cumberland Mountains in Kentucky, and we decided to take a shortcut on a road that seemed inviting. What a road it turned out to be. It was used so infrequently that tortoises were on it, basking in the sun. Any road that is safe for tortoises is the wrong road for people, he wrote. The shortcut turned out to be the most uncomfortable, dangerous, and time-consuming of all the places we drove. Then he goes on to say, I am sure that in many areas of life, there are valid shortcuts that save both time and energy. Every cook has shortcuts that save time in the kitchen. And I suppose that most skilled workers pass on their secret shortcuts to their apprentices. But in the area of life that really counts, the, but the areas of life that really count, such as building character and serving God, we need to be aware of shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in learning God's truth there are no shortcuts, he writes, in building godly Christian character. One of the great disadvantages of hurrying is that it takes such a long time. You ever done that, thinking you're going to save a lot of time and money and energy? It ends up costing you more if you'd have gone the long way around. If you'd have taken a much longer time in doing it, you end up spending more and costing more, taking more time. 
in that great devotional book written by that wonderful pastor of our church, read all about it. <laughs> On page 263 in today's devotional, some people may make Christianity sound easy and effortless, but the truth is there are no shortcuts. No shortcuts. You must spend time with God, I wrote, shown by your countenance, your conduct, your conversation, and your courage. You can't get in a hurry when you're spending time with Jesus and do anything and develop anything that will last. There's no shortcuts, no shortcuts. So he made the mistake, not only of taking a shortcut, but he did it for show. I mean, all that the people who drove by or walked by, what did they see? Just what was on the top of the surface. Just what was on the top of the ground. They didn't see the foundation. He concealed the fact that he had taken a shortcut and didn't spend the money and the time and the energy to build a substantial building and then it was only exposed when he had to go through the storm and it was really all for show. And you'll remember when we we're going through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talked about people who just did things to impress other people, to just to be a show off. Look back at chapter six for just a moment. Let me point three or four things out to you. He called them hypocrites. Hypocrites are two-faced people. They pretend to be one thing in public, but in reality, they're totally different. And so in Matthew's gospel, chapter six and verse one, notice what he says. Beware of practicing your righteousness work before men. Why? To be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, he says, don't sound a trumpet before you at the, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. He said, they have their reward in full. Notice, if you would please, not only in verses 1 and 2, but look at verse 5. When you pray... You're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they can be seen. Skip down to verse 16, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearances so that they may be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So Jesus was saying, don't just live your life to impress other people to make them think that you're really something that you're not. You're not genuine. If it's not on the inside, it's all for show, he was saying. And so this man was a foolish man. Go back to Matthew chapter 7 and notice what Jesus calls him. Jesus, his name, foolishness. That's his name, foolishness. And the word foolishness here is the same word from which we get our word moron. Moron. He was a moron. That's what he was. Now, the word moron of foolishness here uh, just means that he was without forethought. He, just, he was just planning for today and that was it. He wasn't planning for the future. He didn't think at all about what was going to happen tomorrow or next year. It was just for today and today only. And he neglected the warning of the master to build upon a solid foundation. But wise people, Wise people will build their lives on a solid foundation. Well, pastor, what is that solid foundation? Well, that solid foundation is Jesus and his teachings. So my second idea is you build a strong foundation when you practice Christ's teaching. 
Notice what he says in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Acts on them. Acts on them. Now, as you know, I like to look at different translations and get different renderings to the meaning of words. And so I did this when it comes to this expression, and acts on them. For example, the, the King James Version says, doeth them. The New King James simply says, does them. The Living Bible says, listens to my instructions and follows them. The Good News says, obeys them. And the NIV, as well as the J.B. Phillips paraphrase says, puts them into practice. Puts them into practice. So you want to be a wise individual? Then don't just study the word of the Lord and then close the book and go about your way, forgetting about everything that you've ever read. Take what you read, take what you learn, and put it into practice. Do it. You see, our Lord demanded that people not only listen to him, but they do what he says. Why would you go to a financial counselor uh, who gives you advice on how to invest your money and then ignore everything that he says to you? Why would you go to a doctor if you're suffering from some illness of some kind and and he tells you what to do and what kind of medicine to take, but then never get around to doing it, never getting around to taking the medicine or doing what he tells you to do. You're just wasting your time and his as well. And that is what Jesus is saying, although to reject and ignore and fail to do what Jesus says brings disaster beyond anything that could happen to you in the physical realm. If you have marital troubles and marital problems and, and you seek a marriage counselor and they, they discover what your problems are and he says, now here's what you need to do in order to straighten it all out and then you walk out the door and act like it doesn't mean a thing. You don't, you don't intend to follow through with that. You'll, you'll never solve whatever the problems are you're dealing with. And Jesus is saying the same thing. You know, James tells us in his epistle that we must not be just hearers only, but we must be doers of the word. And so if you want to be a wise individual, take what Jesus teaches you and then apply it. Put it into your life. Live by the golden rule. Live by the principles that he teaches us. And build your life on the person of Jesus Christ and his word. The foolish man did just the opposite. Look at verse 26. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. Again, it means to ignore them. That's what the living Bible says. They ignore them. The good news says does not obey them. And the other one does not practice or does not follow what I teach. And so we need, we need to be obedient to the word of the Lord and to build upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. My friend, there's only one way to heaven. And that is on the old railroad, the old T&O railroad. You know what the old T&O railroad is? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. That's the old railroad, T&O railroad. You want to go to heaven, you just trust and obey. Trust Jesus and obey Jesus and you'll get to heaven. Wise people build their lives on a solid foundation and you build a strong foundation when you build upon the principles and person of Jesus Christ. Notice the third thing, and that is a sturdy foundation will see you through the storms of life. 
a sturdy foundation will see you through the storms of life. Now, if I were to sum up into one sentence what I'm trying to say to you today in this message, here it is. And if you all, I'll say it slowly so that if you want to write it down, you can. Here it is. Jesus is not our escape from storms. He is our stronghold in the midst of storms. That's the basic line of the whole thing that Jesus is teaching, in my opinion. Jesus, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be exempt from all of the storms of life, that you'll never have any problems, that you'll never suffer, you'll never have persecution, you'll never have uh, bad health or, or a financial loss or a loss of job. or a lot. God doesn't build an invisible shield around you to protect you from the storms of life, but he, he is our refuge and strength in times of trouble. And he becomes our stronghold when we turn to him uh, rather than to run from him. Now notice two things about the storms of life. They are inevitable and they are impartial. Notice as they are described in verses 25 and 27. In verse 25 he says, And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against this house. And the same thing happened to the, poor, the, the foolish man. Notice the water, that's the rain that falls. The waves, that's the flood that comes. And the wind, well, that's the wind that blows and slams against the house. Notice, notice the word slammed. I wanted to focus on that for a moment in verses 25 and 27. The water came down and the floods rose up and the wind blew and slammed against the house. The word slammed means a heavy blow or a heavy impact, a, a noisy, violent closing, a, a banging noise. Don't slam the door when you go out. You remember saying that to the kids? <laughs> Here's a wind that is so strong and so violent that the best term that he could come up with in the translation was it just slammed against the house. Slammed against the house. Other translations said it roared upon the house. You ever, you ever listen to the news and watch the news when there's been a hurricane or a tornado, especially up in the tornado alley, and, and, you, and you see the devastation that the tornado has brought to the area, and, and people describe the tornado, what it sounds like a roar. Sound like a train coming, it says. Well, this is the kind of storm that Jesus is talking about that slammed against the house. It, there was a roar that slammed against the house. It, it blew hard against the house. It pounded that house. And if it was built on a solid foundation, didn't have to worry about it. If he didn't, then it says in verse 27, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. Great was its fall. Now, again, let me, I know you can't keep up with all of these things, but again, li listen to the way it says it fell, and great was its fall. It, Living Bible says it fell with a mighty crash. A mighty crash. You remember, well, maybe you don't. Uh, I, I was, didn't live during the, Great Depression and the fall of the investment market and 
so forth. But boy, when the, the stock market fell, I've heard people describe it was a great fall. It crashed. I mean, it, it, it just crashed. What anything left? And that's the meaning here when he says, this man who built his house on the sand and when the wind blew and slammed against the house, it was so hard, it just, it just crashed. It felt like a house of cards just falling there. There was nothing that could hold it together. The Amplified Bible adds this to it. It says, it fell and great and complete was the fall of it. I mean, it's just like looking at one of those devastation places that, that the, the tornado just hit. It just wipes it off the face of the map as though it never existed. And that's what the Lord is talking about here when he says that this man was so foolish to build up on the sand. You know, if you think about it, it really doesn't matter where you live in America if you're wanting to get away from storms. There's no such place in America or in that fact, uh, any place in this world where you can go to get away from bad weather. If you live in the West, you're going to face earthquakes. If you live in the South, you're going to face tornadoes. If you live in the North, you're going to face floods. If you live in the East, you're going to face hurricanes. You see, Jesus is not talking about how to find a safe place to live where the atmosphere is ideal, where the winds are gentle and the rain is controlled and the sun is always shining and the climate is perfect. He's not talking about building a house. He's talking about building a life, a life that will last, a life that will stand up when the storms come and when it falls, it won't. The, the, the foolish man's house will. The wise man's house won't. Now, I want to take this a step further in verse 27, where he talks about the foolish man's house when the rain fell and the flood came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And what was the fall? It was great. A great fall. You see, I hope I'm not doing violation to the interpretation of the scriptures, but I think Jesus is talking about the end of a person's life. And, if you'll, and, he, and he's talking about the foolish man, perhaps as an unsaved man, a person who has excluded God from his life, a person who is not a believer in Jesus Christ and has never accepted him as Lord and Savior. And when he comes to the end of his life, if he has rejected Christ and if he has rejected the teachings of our Lord, there is going to be a fall for him and it will be a great fall. The Bible talks about the day of judgment as being the great day of judgment. When one stands before the great white throne of judgment, and will give an account unto God for his life and who will be cast out into a place where Abraham in talking to the rich man said there is a great chasm between you and us and it is fixed and those of us who are on this side cannot go over there and those who are over here cannot go over to where you are because when you die and go out into eternity you are fixed forever as to where you're going to spend eternity. 
And if you have not built upon Christ and if you have not built upon his teachings, then you're going to spend forever in an eternal hell where there is a great fire that burns forever and where the worm never ceases to much and you will be there forever. And you talk about a great chasm and a great fall and a great collapse. It's terrible to go out into eternity without Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now we don't think much about cornerstones today when we build a, an edifice, a building of some kind. Usually we have a cornerstone, but it's pretty much more just a plaque maybe or maybe a, a marble slab that has some inscriptions on it and you, you put it into the side of the building so that people can know when and where and who and so forth. But that wasn't the way it was in the days of our Lord. The cornerstone was extremely important in the building of a house or some temple or some synagogue because the cornerstone was the standard by which all the other measurements were made. It was from the cornerstone that you would measure out and to keep the doors from being crooked or the walls from leaning or the windows from warping. The cornerstone was extremely important in the building of a house. And Christ himself, as well as his teachings, is the standard by which our life is being measured. The criteria by which life is to be judged and the end to which life is moving. So if you want to build a house that really matters, a life that really lasts, build upon the the firm foundation who is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the rock of our salvation, the chief cornerstone of all our structures. And obedience, obedience is the proper response to our Lord and to his teachings. William Barclay, the great English commentator in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew says this, is there any word in which hearing and doing are summed up? There is such a word, and that word is obedience. Jesus demands our implicit obedience. To learn to obey is the most important thing in life. It isn't Jesus' claim that obedience to him is the only sure foundation for life. And it is his promise that the life which is founded on obedience to him is safe, no matter what the storms may be that come your way. You just trust Jesus and you be obedient to him. And so I ask you in closing three questions. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? Are you building your life on his teachings and are you building a life that will last the storms are coming I hope you've built on the firm foundation let's bow together father we have been warned through the recording of your word 
spoken by your son regarding life and the principles upon which we must build our lives and that someday if we haven't already experienced the storms of life, we will. And we know that if we've been wise to build upon Jesus and upon his word, then we'll survive because he is our stronghold. He's not, he's not our escape, he's our stronghold. And while everything else around us may fall apart, we won't because we're on that solid rock. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that if there's someone here today who's never opened their hearts and their lives to Jesus, that they would do so. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help them to hear and to understand what Jesus said about life and how important it is to build upon him and that they need to repent of sins and turn to him and build their lives on him and his teachings that they might have life everlasting. May all of us be obedient to you today that we might be blessed and that you might be honored and glorified. For it's in your name I pray, amen. And so if the Lord is speaking to you today and there's a decision that you need to make, you make it as we come and come forward, as we stand to sing, and I'll greet you here. Okay.